This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, good afternoon, dear listener, because it is afternoon where where both me and uh, and the the chap I'm interviewing um, for the Chelsea Fancast are located. We're not in different time zones as yet because neither of us have retired off to anywhere remotely sunny or exotic. Um, so this is an edition of the Chelsea Fancast for the first time, I think, um, not being um, hosted by uh, Lord David Chigi. <laughs> um, it's the My Chelsea one. It's being hosted by me, Tony Glover. You will have heard my voice, hopefully, on the on the normal fan cast. And I'm going to interview your grace, David Chidgey. Stanford Chidge, the man we all love to love um, and the man who knows no end of generosity when it comes to Cuban cigars, fine red wines <laughs> and a decent brandy when you're on holiday in belgium indeed how are you sir i'm all right mate i'm just kind of contemplating this i wonder it's a bit like uh david frost interviewing jeremy paxman or alan wicker <laughs> interviewing jeremy uh or alan wicker interviewing david frost i'm not quite sure which yet. yes yeah it is it's one of those isn't it where you think like okay how am i going to do this how do i approach this but um uh i think this is this is one of the more intriguing uh adventures for the fan cast away from uh from the normal hustle and bustle of football um, and, and probably an opportunity being presented, of course, by the lockdown and, uh, and various things like that. Um, and I do think it's a great opportunity for people to get to know um, the people involved in the fan cast, not least of all you, because you are the founder, um, uh, El Presidente. Okay. <laughs> uh, you, you, you are the king and the emperor um, and the archbishop of the Chelsea fan cast. Um, and the rest of us are, are mere serfs bringing you lovely things to eat and drink and uh, and whatever um so i'm going to start off with now you know this, this slightly surprised me because um 
uh, as you know, I started supporting Chelsea in, in 1970. And when we first met, I had no concept of, of your age or anything like that. So I assumed you were about the same age as me. It turns out that uh, I think you're four or five years uh, younger than me, maybe a bit more. Um, and so in some ways, um, I, I think, you know, when I started supporting Chelsea, there was there was a hint of success there. We'd had some success and there was promise of more success and I think by the time you started supporting Chelsea we were on a very long 27 year road um, it's all my fault Tony absolutely nothing Um, and so you know I think the the persistence and the the diligence that you've shown sticking with a a club that looked like they were going to be perennial um, nearly men um, is quite remarkable so um take me back to the time when you first became a Chelsea fan you know under what circumstances what was it that um that that uh, that, that tugged your tugged your tail and said this is the team for me well you know through the next 40 50 minutes or so you're going to find out that I might be the founder of the Chelsea fan cast but when I when I compare myself to all of you lot I am by far the worst Chelsea supporter amongst <laughs> you with the least bona fides <laughs> A point that my dear, darling, long-suffering wife always points out. Uh, and actually, it's kind of salient to this answer, really, because whenever she meets you lot and, and she kind of goes, God, this is bloody Chelsea, mates. And she said, you realise that I'm far more Chelsea than he'll ever be. I'm third generation Chelsea, me. He's a plastic Johnny come lately, um, which is probably true uh, if, if, if I'm being fair, un, unfair and harsh on myself. But I mean, basically, I, I grew up, as you know, in Hampshire. Uh, not far away from where we both are right now. And my dad's a good good Hampshire boy, and he grew up uh, in Gosport, which is on the other side of the, the harbour from Portsmouth. So he was a Portsmouth fan, and I remember, actually, he, he took me to my first game when I was about seven, so that would have been in 1972. And he took me to Fratton Park, and I think Portsmouth were in the third division then, and I think it might have been against Lake Norian. I really don't remember. What I do remember was that the football was beyond shit and uh, and it was incredibly violent everywhere and I was a very small 7-year-old and I this is not what football had been sold to me as at all and I hated it and I mean dad bless his heart he's such a he's a my dad is a, a brilliant bloke uh, and he's a, he's quite sensitive to those things and I think he kind of decided mm, football it's not really for the boy then and and that was it. Nothing was kind of ever really said about it after that until 1976. And I mean, up till then, I didn't have a team. You know, I I I just couldn't. I, I liked England a lot. You know, the first football I ever had was bought for me around around the time I went to see Pompey actually, and it was a Bobby Moore football bought in Woolworths. I mm. never forget it. My uncle got it for me, and I was I was more fascinated by it. And I had a like a 1970 SO World Cup coin collection. So oh, I was yeah. more kind of attracted to that. I didn't really have a team. And I think that was a function of really, you know, dad not really passing on the whole Portsmouth thing properly. And also growing up in the middle of the countryside in Hampshire. I mean, you know, if I'd have grown up in a, a big northern industrial town or, or, or the middle of London somewhere, it might have been different. But it, it can't, I just, I mean, I like Leeds a bit because they won stuff. You know, you know what you were talking about? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. When we yeah. when we did you, you know, kids do strange things like that, or yeah. they or they find an FA Cup final to watch, and they go, "Oh well, I'll have the team that plays in blue." That had all kind of really passed me by until 1976, when basically 
dad got tickets, as did half of Hampshire, I think, to go and see <laughs> the uh, FA Cup semi-final between Southampton and Crystal Palace. Now, I've always been... I mean, I, I look back on this now and I think, what on earth was a Portsmouth fan doing going to a semi-final between Southampton and Crystal Palace? But I think Dad just kind of liked football. Yeah. I mean, you know, as I found out many years later, he, he'd been at every England match in the 1966 World Cup. Oh, so, Wow, he, that is he, something, isn't it? I, I know. I mean, I asked him about it, Tony. I said, Dad, I said, you know, I mean, I, you know, I kind of kind of work in football so you know how much I love it. How how have you not told me that you were at the World Cup final in 1966? I said, what was it like? And he just, do you know what he said? Yeah. Um, no, go on. Surprise me because I'm. I, this is an intriguing well, one. Well, I, I expected him to kind of give me chapter and verse, detailed match analysis and all the rest. He said, it was tense. <laughs> <laughs> so we're immediately transported back now to uh, the end of... Um, uh, lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Where we are emotional. Emotional. <laughs> he could have said that, but anyway. Uh, so I end up, I end up, uh, you know, going to the semi-final at Stamford Bridge. You know, which I'd never really heard of. That didn't hadn't really registered. And I just, and you know, I had the same kind of experience that any kid. Prop because by now I'm eleven, ten, ten, eleven yeah. years old. So I, I'm a bit more, you know why you know worldly wise as it were and 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 i had the same experience that all of you had about going to your first match you know i remember getting out of fulham broadway tube station and going i'm in london wow this is so so." remember i'm a little country boy you know yeah i don't think i'd ever been to london before actually (laughs) and uh i'm with my dad and i'm walking down fulham road and i can smell hot dogs and onions and horse shit and there's loads of people around it was a nice sunny day and it was just like just sensory overload and we walked in through what is now the Bovril Gate. Mm. And uh, I ended up, um, I'm just so unbelievably excited. And we got all the way, because I was quite small. You know, Dad sensibly took us right down towards the front of the shed. I think it would have been about Block J, so kind of really near the corner flag. Yeah. And, um, you know, the tea bath behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. N- none of this none of this meant anything to me. And I, I, I tell you what I remember most about the day, the fact that Brian Moore, who did the commentary that day, oh, yes, he, he walked around very near to where I was. I was very excited to see Brian Moore yeah. for some reason. And and that was it, really. I don't remember much about the match, nor nor do I really give two shits about it. I mean, the reality is that was the, the one and only time I saw Peter Osgood play live. Yeah, of course that. And it was for Saints. Yeah, it meant absolutely nothing to me at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I did spend most of the match just in awe of this amazing place that I was in. It just seemed huge, all that space and that bloody great big East Stand. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, and I yeah, just yeah. thought this is the most amazing place I've ever been in. And I was very kind of dad. Who? What's this? You know, tell me about this place, Stamford Bridge. Oh, Chelsea play here. You know, yeah, shut yeah. up, watch the football. You know, none of that. So. I kind of left there just thinking this is the absolute mutts nuts. It really is. And, and, I, and I found out it was Chelsea that played there and I got interested in Chelsea. But of course, I now, I now find myself, you know, in the middle of bloody Hampshire again and with no kind of family habit of going to football uh, and, and no inkling that that's what you might do, you know. Mm. Um, but I kind of then started to find Chelsea work quite often on the big match. So I kind of, my first experience is really of, supporting Chelsea are fairly vicarious and predominantly through the TV, watching them on the big match with Brian Moore commentating. And the first time I, I, I really remember being excited 
about watching Chelsea specifically was um, the 1978 uh, cup match against Liverpool. Yeah. When, oh, right, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. when Clive Walker yeah. uh, basically ran riot and, and they were like rabbits in the head. Like, he scored that amazing goal past Clements. He kind of flapped at it, yeah, do you remember? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Super Jock scored, didn't he, as well? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's the first game I kind of <sighs> really, really remember. And, and, and that... Around about that time, seventy-eight would have been. Uh, that have been around about when Chelsea were in in dire straits. I think you know when we're back in the days when we were maybe not paupers, but um, back in the days when we were a long, long way from the previous years of of the cup winners of the seventy team and and, and this sort of stuff and the glamour uh, and, and you know what must have been seemingly light years from from the Abramovich revolution. But I ha- I had no conception of that at all. You know, yeah. ba- basically, this was a team that I, I had been to that ground. Yes. That seemed to be really important to it's me. It's an unusual hook as well, that, that it was the ground and the team that you actually ended up following and, 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 and supporting or whatever weren't actually on show that day. No. Yeah, no. that's, that's, so that's it, it, really it, interesting. It, isn't it? It, was, it was the ground and then I then Chelsea and then the kit, yeah. that, that Umbro kit, that you're not talking about quite dark blue, you know, yes. that... that and and Ray Wilkins actually, yeah. which we'll yeah, get yeah, on to Wilkins, later, yeah, no yeah. doubt. But you know I, that that's kind of the first thing. I mean, I didn't end up you know going back to a match until I moved to London when I was back at university. I mean, you know, so I, it never really occurred to me. I mean, I, I've had laughs with mates. I mean, I've got like old psycho Phil who used to yeah. go to every. In fact, he was going in those days, and he he would go to every home game and away game, and he was living in Newcastle. Yeah, and I, I had no concept of that. Why, yeah. I mean, I lived in Hampshire. Why would I go go and spend an hour and a half, two hours in a car getting to a... Just no, you know, it wasn't until I lived literally five or ten minutes away yeah. that I thought, oh, I'll go to the football, you know. Yeah. Bizarre. And it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you, you, you I, I, I think when you look back at it, you think this it was either missed opportunities because you didn't go because you didn't have those opportunities to go. But for you, you're living out in Winchester or out in, in, in the wilds of Hampshire or whatever. Um and and I'm guessing just travelling, you know, at any point up until you were probably earning well, money. We only had horse and carts in those days, Tony. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was your first game? The first game that you actually... Well, yeah. Went... I mean, I, I went to university in 84. And uh, at the same time, um, I had a load of mates who didn't go to university. I went to London University. I was up in, uh, believe it or not, Regent's Park. And uh, I had a load of mates who went up to work in London and they all kind of ended up living, would you believe, uh, in Hollywood Road in Chelsea. They had this amazing, amazing flat pretty much opposite the Hollywood Arms. Yeah. That was our local pub. And I I, I didn't really like university much, didn't really like the people much. I I much preferred my mates. (laughs) They, They had better quality drugs for a start. Right. But, okay. um, <laughs> and, and 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 more fun and, and 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 more attractive women hanging around or girls should I say in those days. Yeah, so yeah. I yeah. used to I used to hang around with them a lot. Uh, quite often would crash on their floor, largely because I wasn't capable of getting back or moving at all. But um, and I mean, we kind of you know the thing is when you live in Chelsea, uh, you get wrapped up in it. You get swept up by it. Actually, I think if you live there, it, it's. And until you've done it, you don't realise how big an impact that club has on that local community. Yes, I totally agree with that. On, yeah. Particularly on a match day, and and therefore, and I mean, I'll be really honest with you. I mean, I'm still still very much a vicarious fan. Nothing like the obsessed lunatic that I am now. 
So, and to be really honest with you, going to the football then for us was just an excuse to go and get more pissed. It was, it was yeah. just like rather than sitting in a pub all day, we'll go sit in a pub and what maybe watch a bit of football and then yeah, carry yeah. on. It, we were not, we were not enjoying anything like the experience that you and I know and love now. Right. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. just an excuse to get shit-faced yeah, in a yeah. slightly so different it was your hook again. It was another hook. Let, that, let's I, do this as well, yeah. I mean, basically, I was a very rubbish football fan, Tony, you know, for, yeah. for most of my life. Um, until, I mean, I lived in... I, I, I used to go a little bit more regularly when I, I... I mean, so I'm at university, living up in Regent's Park, and then I graduated, and I ended up living in Pimlico for a year or yeah. two. And then I moved to Lots Road. Right, which, uh, which is, is a cool share. Yeah, five minutes away, and yeah. and that's and that was around eight, eighty-seven, eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Yeah, it was, that was before I guess the harbour developments had, had really yeah. taken off. Yeah, eighty-eight, eighty-nine season. I I went to a few games that season. That was great because we were the boys in blue in Division Two. We won't be here for long. Yeah. Part Part Two, technically, <laughs> but that was an amazing. I mean, that's what that's still one of my favourite seasons because. We were brilliant that year. People, people really underestimate just how bloody good that Bobby Campbell side was. Yes, Kerry yeah. was on fire. Peter Nicholas was fantastic. Graham Roberts was superb. We had Tony Dorigo. Yeah, and we scored for fun, and we yeah. and we got ninety nine points. And I went to a few matches that season, and I, I I'm you know more into it now, and I, I'm loving that a little yeah. bit more. Uh, and then it all went horribly wrong, and I kind of met this amazing woman who still puts up with me today. And I ended up moving back to Hampshire, and I just lost the bug again. It was like, well, why should I bother going again? Yeah, but, I, yeah, but, yeah, I'm, yeah. but I'm much more into it. And I, I mean, I followed Chelsea properly, you know, always, always on the TV and the radio and yeah. everything else. But um, I tell you, the one thing I miss from those days, you see, I never had what a lot of you had which is a group of friends, all Chelsea fans, all going for the same reason, all with the same objective. I never mm. experienced that. And this actually, sorry to rab- rabbit on as I do. No, no. This, this is one of the brilliant. things that I, 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 I cherish and savour so much about my very adult experience of Chelsea now. It's the camaraderie. I have, I have finally found in you lot, particularly, what I never had growing up when I first went there and and, and I right. I now totally understand why it's so special yes and it's just funny how there's a bo- uh, that, that kind of bond and um, you, it's interesting you talk about that you you, you were going with you know uh, as basically as something to do okay um which is no now no longer an option no, absolutely not you can't absolutely just turn not. up at the gate you can't even particularly get all the tickets in advance um you know and then you, you your favorite season you sort of move into lots road and it's down the road and, and it becomes uh you, you see the influence of it and again a, a time when football uh, i presume was on the cusp of change you probably had the all-seater stuff coming in around about that time you had uh, all sorts of uh probably still the 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 reputation of football as being hoodlum and hooligan ridden. Uh, oh, it was nasty. Sort of it was, it was you know, nasty. Uh, and again, opportunity. So the, the type of fan that you were very possibly doesn't exist now. No, no, it couldn't. I mean, as I said, the matches, matches, uh, you know, uh, they weren't all tickets. So, you know, and I mean, you know, we weren't getting packed houses in those days. Only a, I mean, actually the, the one I went to in 84 was about as packed as you could get it in yeah. those days. But, a lot of them were not, you know. There was twenty, twenty, twenty-five thousand in eighty-eight, eighty-eight, eighty-nine, and it, but it was it was pretty nasty. I remember after that United game. No, actually, it was another United game a couple of years later, I think. But um, 
uh, somebody that we knew uh, didn't really like him that much, actually, to be fair. But he got stabbed. <laughs> he got stabbed in the leg by a United fan. Yeah, kind of served him right, really. Yeah. Um, and uh, I had a, I had a, my my flatmate from Pimlico, somebody I grew up with down here. He ended up being the barman at the Stamford. It was still the Stamford pub yeah. in those days. So, you know that that would uh, you know encourage us into the football a bit. And and we used to drink in the Black Bull a lot as well. Mm. Now, I mean, the weird thing is, I mean, I know that I know I now know that those were two very heavy pubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. It, it never occurred to me, apart from one evening. When another of my great mates from one of them who lived in Hollywood Road actually, he got punched out in the face, right by a Chelsea hooligan. But it kind yeah. of it kind of served him right because he he was asking for it. To be well, I think you know a few of us. <laughs> I mean, I I had the experience of being chased uh, down the road and 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 grabbed older by somebody because I had a blue and white scarf on and, and accused of being a Rangers fan, even though I was you know just off, off the Fulham Road, uh, and I'd patently just been to the game and it scared the shit out of me. Um, because I was thinking, hold on a minute, I'm, I'm Chelsea, who on earth? I, I can't remember, we'd played Coventry or something that yeah. day. But Coventry, you know, and it, I just think that, you know, that there's a point where, for me, it actually turned off, which, you know, what, um, uh, I'm not I'm not doing this anymore. And even though I only lived in Hayes, I would go, uh, I, I think about 18, women drinking the pub, all that stuff got in the way. There were better things to do, going out clubbing. We didn't call it clubbing then, we called them discos and this sort of stuff, but... Um, so, you know, th- that kind of checkered history. And I think it's easy f- to look back now from a position where you can afford it and we can still get there uh, and, and, and still have those memories. They're quite special. But it, it, we, it, without wanting to sound like four Yorkshiremen, uh, you, know, you tell the youngsters that today and they'll go, no way. You just used to go down the pub and then think, oh, we'll go down and watch Chelsea. Yeah, yeah we yeah. did. It was very, did. very much like that. Very much like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, 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 and I love these sort of uh, these sort of like historical well, looks. And they're not nostalgia. It's not wrapping yourself in nostalgia. It's quite nice to look back and go because it gives people like you and I that opportunity to objectively look at how football has changed. I'd love to do a thesis on it. We should do it. But you know what? Yeah. Here's the interesting thing. I've known you for a while now. I, I consider you a, a pretty close friend. Yeah, I've never told you any of this before. No, you didn't know any no. of this, did you? No, no, no. I think I knew a few bits about um, you know when you first started or whatever because you and I have had the odd um, socially relaxed discussion <laughs> in the pub, either before or after the game, and and, I, and that sort of thing. And I, you know, I love that. Um, but I think also, you know, look at it again. I go back to this kind of, and we're not really a different generation from each other. We're just a few years apart. So I was just going to move you on now. Say, look, you know, when you were growing up, let's go through some of your. You've heard my favourite players earlier on when we did when we when we chatted on, on, on my turn. But who were your favourite players? And, and I'm talking in terms of, of growing up. So, um, and and you can if you consider yourself not fully grown up, then you can go right up to the modern day. Yeah. I, I, I... <laughs> You know the answer to that. I'm definitely not fully grown up. But, I mean, obviously the first kind of time I, I started falling in love with Chelsea and then the kind of late 70s, Ray Wilkins, definitely. I used to love Ian Britton as well. He was like a little terrier on the wing mm. and, he, and with his mad hair. And there was just something about his energy that I loved. And he was I'm, I was quite small as a kid, so I, I kind of liked the fact that he was quite small and a really good footballer. Uh, weirdly, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I absolutely love Mickey Droy. Yeah, because he was yeah. a mon- he looked like it, he looked like he walked off the the set of a Hammer House horror movie, <laughs> and he scared the hell out of me. I love the fact that he was Chelsea, and yeah. uh, I love Tommy Langley too because I've always liked strikers. Tony, yeah, always liked strikers, yeah, 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 and, and yeah, Tommy yeah. was young and 
quite a good looking bloke and he scored some great goals and I and I loved him. Um when I started to come when I moved back to London and started to go a, a bit, you know, we're, we're talking Mickey Thomas. I cuz I knew I knew about Mickey Thomas from when he was a United player. Yeah. And and he's my kind of player, cheeky, talented, skillful, a bit naughty as well. And I loved I loved Mickey, but you know, of that kind of 80s team, um Kerry Dixon stands out absolutely obviously i absolutely adored kerry and yeah. of course, and pat nevin but i mean pat pat not just because he was a really skillful player i've always loved you know small skillful intelligent footballers but of course pat was like a real icon for me because i i loved you know punk and new wave music mm. and yes. pat, pat loved the same stuff he loves the cocktail yeah. twins i love the cocktail twins he loved joy division i love joy division and i and i i, I thought i thought well you know i was quite a bright spot and you know football's a working class game always has been so i kind of really love pat because i thought well this was a bloke who who could still keep, yes. you know be intelligent read you know uh, balzac <laughs> and still and, and and listen to joy division and still be yeah. a footballer you know yeah and and that kind of went against the grain didn't it there's yeah, at that point so. i think there's a lot of footballers these days that 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 probably meet that kind of level now uh, or a lot more um, whereas back in them days, it was very much the working class, very much uh, uh, that that sort of game or whatever. And so you had players like him and Graham Lasseau and those, and you thought, well, hold on, what's going on here? We've got a kind of, it was almost a, a, an oxymoron, an educated footballer. What's yeah. that about? And I think, we've, wasn't it uh, very famously, Pat Nevin used to be um, pretty slaughtered because he'd, he'd walk into the dressing room of Guardian, copy yeah. of the Guardian yeah. or whatever. And, they, you know, the, play, the rest of the players were uh, probably just got past the star and onto the sun in their developmental way. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's an interesting thing because, I mean, you know, how on earth did I find football? We, we were kind of started off with that. But you got to remember that, you know, from the age of about eight until the age of 16, I played football every week Yeah, uh, for a team um, with some, some mates who are still my best mates now. I mean, I, yeah. I always loved football. I, I just came to it through a completely different experience, but I loved football. I played it every week. I mean, we were still playing when we were 16, and uh, the only kids that were left playing then were actually really good because in those days, you didn't get scouted until you were a lot older. So yeah. they, they were still hoping to get picked up by clubs, and we, we just played because we liked playing it, and we, yeah. and we liked each other. You know, We had a bond with each other, and we'd yeah. get beaten 30-0 most weekends, but we didn't give yeah, a shit. As long as, we could, as long as we could kick a few people, yeah. maybe have a fight, and and, and yeah. have a good time on a Sunday morning. We were happy, and that's what we did. So, I always loved it. You know, it was in my yeah. blood. There's a lovely regression there because I, I now play walking football, as you well know. Um, and I'm often in a team that gets beaten seven or eight nil some weeks. You know, we mix the teams up, and if the mix doesn't come out right, um, and I genuinely don't give a shit. I genuinely come out of there and think, let's go and have a pint. Let's have a laugh. Let's, you know, that sort of thing. And I think it's a lovely sort of like circle thing that goes on there where when you're a kid, you don't care. You play football every week. Didn't really bother you that much about the results just as long as you were playing football. And as you get older, you get the opportunity to play football as a walking football as it is now, you know, for, for, for people my age or whatever. And, and you go back to that. You go back to that. I'm just happy to be kicking the ball about with some mates and we're going to go have a beer afterwards. And no one is going to get RC. Well, there are always one or two that get RC. So you, you touched on uh, Pat Nevin. There's a few other players that you want to touch on. Well, I, I think, you know, you, you might be curious as a couple of the choices that I've got in here. But I think, you know, with that, all, the love that I've always had of the England national team as well, you know, Brian Robson, mm. I used to absolutely adore him 
real proper midfielder, box to box, and Glenn Hoddle because he was yeah. just such a good player, mate. He could do things yeah. that nobody else could do, and I loved Glenn Hoddle. I mean, going into kind of more nineties Chelsea, I mean, like you, you know, Rude Hullet. I couldn't believe it when we signed him because I'd loved, I'd love Rude Hullet from the eighties. What a player yeah, he was! What a player! Yeah. So to think that we were signing him, I just couldn't. I just thought somebody was taking the. I thought it was April Fool's Day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah and Viali, you know, I, I, I mean, I've, I'd always liked Viali. Again, I love strikers. Viali is one of my favourite strikers of all time. Yeah, because I've never seen a striker with better movement than Gianluca Vialli. Yeah, plus the fact he smoked like a chimney. Yeah, plus the fact that he would hang all of his clothes up in the kitchen because uh, the steam made them made the creases come out better, and he would wander around in his house nude. And yeah. also because he was the son of a, I think a, a manufacturing millionaire. He was landed gentry. Yeah, so he was independently well. Yeah. I, I just and he's bonkers, and I loved him. Absolutely yeah. loved him. The fact that he came to Chelsea just made all my my wishes come true. Yeah. And, of course, Franco Zola, because he's just yeah. one of the best players I've ever seen at Chelsea. And the, the yes, man has just so yeah. much skill. And yeah. I think my prized possession, Tony, is is a signed uh, Franco Zola shirt. Right. Which I've oh, had yeah. for years. Yeah, you fantastic. Know. Yeah. What, um, what a player. I was at his first game uh, for Chelsea, which I think was a 2-2 home draw against Everton. Um, and you just came out of that game thinking, I think we'd equalised. I think, you know, it was it was a fairly tight game. Um, I just remember coming out of that game, leaving the ground and thinking, getting in the car with my mate and saying, what have we just seen? Yeah. He's a little bit handy, isn't he? you know, yeah. how do we get hold of him sort of thing, you know. Special, yeah. special, special yeah, player, yeah, mate. Indeed, special yeah. player. Yep. And then I see you've, you've got another three names down there, which are, well, not dissimilar to a couple that I chose. Well, I kind of thought, you know, you know, the finishing it off, you know. I mean, when I when I finally got, I mean, the, the, I think I got a season ticket. Long story. I mean, having gone back to Winchester for a few years when I got married, uh, I ended up down here, and we didn't move back up to London until two thousand, when we got a flat up here. And by that time, I'd, I'd met. Uh, Dr. Mark, would you believe? Because he had mm. he had married my sister by then, I think, in the kind of the mid nineties. And you know, I found out that he was a Chelsea fan, and and uh, you know, he he made me promise. He said, "Well, look, if you come back to London, are you up for going to the football?" And I said, "What do you think?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, "Well, let's do it." And and I, we moved back in two thousand, and I think for a couple of years, I was getting you know just buying tickets, not not getting a season ticket. Yeah. I don't think I had the money, actually. I had my own company, which never made any money, so I probably didn't have enough money. So I was buying tickets kind of randomly and ad hoc, and then I ended up... That's when I met um, Martin's mob, who were basically Psycho Phil, people like Smithy, Keith, Jerry, uh, Chris and Stu, Norman, obviously, uh, eventually Pablo and Ross. Uh, And I I remember I really just suddenly... I I think what, what dawned on me was what it's like to go to football regularly with people that you know, with a mob of you. Mm. And uh, I remember we went to the the cup final in 2002 in Arsenal, which was just, you know, one of the best experiences I've had at football, even though we lost. Yeah. Because we had a road trip and and it was just the stories I could tell you about that cup final. Just, that was where we had the unlucky end again, didn't we? It's where, where Ray Parler killed us yes. and Freddie Lundberg. Yeah, yeah. And basically, Jimmy was half fit. JT he was. couldn't start. Yeah. It was all, yeah. went, all went horribly wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Vieira bullied us, as he always did. But yeah. it was just such a laugh. I mean, we, we were at the pub at 10 o'clock. Trying to, we got a pub opened in Tiger Bay because we needed yeah. a drink. 
and we just had a riot, you know. And it it re- and then basically Phil bullied me and said, "Chidge, you've got to get a season ticket next year." I said, "All right, yeah. Phil," and that was it. And I think my my I think uh, yeah. So basically, my arrival at Chelsea more you know regularly coincided with Frank Lampard, which I always yeah. thought was quite funny. And and Frank's my all time favourite Chelsea player without yeah. a question of a doubt. But yeah. so JT. Very closely followed by JT. And I always loved Joe Cole. And the reason I loved Joe Cole was that I, I had a friend who uh, was going out with a bloke who was a scout for Everton. Yeah. And I yeah. remember we went round for dinner there once. And this is, I mean, Joe Cole would have been about 14, 15 at the time. Yeah. And he says, you're a Chelsea fan, aren't you? I said, yeah, 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 yeah. And we got talking. And he said, I've got, I found this player. He's the best player I've seen since Paul Gascoigne. And he said, he said, remember this name. I said, who, who are you talking? He said, this is a kid called Joe Cole. Yeah. He said, he's a Chelsea fan, but I think West Ham are going to get him. Yeah. And that's the first time I'd heard of Joe Cole. So yeah. I don't know when that, what year that was, but if he was 15, you know, do the maths. Yeah. So when, when Chelsea finally signed Joe Cole, I was just, it was a bit, I mean, weirdly for me, it was, it was a bit like when we signed Rude Hullet. I was just so excited yeah. that we'd signed this kid who, who had then gone on to prove himself to be a very good player. And, and, I, and I absolutely love Joe Cole. So there you go. That kind of wraps yeah, up yeah, my yeah. favourite player. I, I think I had sort of Joe Cole in there as well um, because a, a, a player I thought had, he had every... Uh, he should have been... Had it should all. Have been English. Eden Hazard, he, he was he was so, so good. And um, so I, I think, you know, mismanagement. I was going to go back. I was going to ask you the question about the, the team you grew up with, the Dixon, Thomas, Nevin, that era, that 80s era, as, a, as an underachieving team. Um, uh, 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 that team was probably one of the best we've ever had in terms of ability, depth and, and, and skill Balance. and desire. Um, and I just wondered, you know, it was always a team that kind of just never quite had enough. And it, I've, I've always, I've always thought it was down to the revolving door policy on the manager's office. It was never given a chance to build anything um, or whatever. Um, and, and the thing that we've seen with almost, we're almost the standard bearers for that, um, that, that that kind of attitude towards coaches, whereas I'm hope, rather hoping that, you know, we get Frank for a long term and he's given the chance to do it. But I just wondered, did you think that? Did you think, I may have sort of gone off slightly off script right. here, but I'm fascinated with that. That period of time was when I was more detached from Chelsea than attached to it because, you know, I I had other things that in my life that were better, bigger, and, 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 and also I didn't have the money, but, you know. Well, I think, I think you know, two things. I don't think it was, I mean... I think the real the nub of it is John Neal. I think when John Neal yes. got ill, uh, and they 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 not so much John Hollins. He, he wasn't. I don't think John Hollins was as bad as people make him out as a manager. I think John Hollins is not very confrontational, and yeah. I, I think he had to. You know, that's the, Ernie Wally's the problem. Ernie yeah. Wally came in and he pissed half the team off. Yeah, that's what yeah. happened. So there was that issue going on, and I think, and then of course we went, we went down. I mean, how that Chelsea team of eighty seven, eighty eight got <coughs> relegated, I will never, never know. Yeah. They were way too good. They yeah. were way too well, good. Well, it to showed get didn't the following season. Well, exactly, and not yeah. not just that. The follow the season after that, they finished yeah. fifth, I think, or sixth in the in yeah. in, in Division yeah, yeah. One. Yeah, you know, so they were a very good and very talented team, but. Uh, the trouble, the other trouble was, was you know, having to sell certain players. I mean, yeah. Pat Nevin got sold, I suspect, yeah. because we needed the money. So yeah. that whole issue about Chelsea not having money. And if you remember, at that, that time, there was a lot of conjecture about um, yes. the ground. 
Yes, you know, because Marla of Marla Estates. Yeah. yeah, Cabra and all of that lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a huge yeah. amount of pressure. Save the bridge. I mean, that was a bit earlier, save the bridge. But, you know, money was always a slight issue, I think, even even then. Yeah. So I think, yeah. you know, selling a couple of the players that they maybe shouldn't have sold. But I think really, I think it all goes back to, to John getting ill and, and mm. Ernie Wally coming in to do John Holland's dirty work. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. So, you know, you've, you've talked about the the favourite players growing up, and and you know, uh, this is this is fabulous. I love, I you know, as well as I do, that uh, I love discussions like this. And you and I could absolutely fill an evening just talking <laughs> this stuff through. And God only knows what it would be like if you had J.K. and Dan and and people there as well. It would just be, you know, I, I think we'd have to hire a hotel for the night. Yeah. Um, but and a lot of booze. I'm going to pin you down to a Chelsea hero because um, it's interesting. To, I, it's almost like, for me, in, to some degree, even though I did pick somebody out that was, you know, for me, uh, uh, from an emotional, but also from a, a kind of statistical perspective, uh, uh, the, the biggest Chelsea hero for me, um, it's still like picking money, your favourite child. It a, is. A, an almost impossible task. So it, it over is. to you. But I mean, I've gone, I've gone, you know, as you would expect of me, Tony, um, I've gone completely with the emotions. Yes. Rather than the head. I, I mean, I, you know, I'd, I'd say this. First hero, Ray Wilkins. Yeah. Uh, biggest hero, Kerry Dixon. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I can't, I cannot, I mean, I, I, it's almost impossible for me to split them. I mean, Ray Wilkins was, in a sense, one of the reasons why I fell in love with Chelsea in the first place. Mm. You know, there was something about a kid who was 18, 19, 20, 21, being by far the best player on the pitch nearly every match he played. Mm. And, you know, just this young kid leading a team like Chelsea. Um, yeah. I was, you know, I shed a tear or two when he when he... Because I was only a kid, you know. And you, yeah. But when, when you he got sold, yeah, I, I was so yeah. upset about that. Um, yeah. And I'm just, um, I mean, I, I, I have to pinch myself a lot to, to, you know, when I think about how lucky I've been. And I ended up getting to work with Ray uh, during the 2006 World Cup. I was making a whole load of TV shows on the World Cup. And I would sit in the green room, just me. I was the producer and the director. I would sit with Ray and we would have to watch the World Cup games live on the telly. Mm. So just me and him, and I would have ordered him some dinner and uh, always a bottle of uh, Montepulciano because it was his favourite Italian mm. red wine. And and I would sit and watch football with Ray and talk to him about football. And and he would just... I mean, I mean, he pro- he's probably just blowing smoke up my ass, but he, he would sit there. Because you know me, I don't care who it is. I'm going to tell you yeah. what I think anyway, whether you're listening yeah. or not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I would be telling, telling Ray where... England or whoever was going wrong and all the rest of it and he would say well well David yeah you, you clearly know your football David you know your football yeah mm. you're a good lad you know your football you know and and we became good friends I mean not regular but I mean I I, I got yeah. to know him pretty well and uh absolutely just distraught when he died distraught. yeah very very sad very but very such sad a nice indeed. bloke he, he, such a nice bloke so he was a, a local hero where I lived because he was from Hayes yeah, of uh, course. In and he went to Hayes Grammar School with his brother Graham did as well. Yeah. And um and, and this was like, you know, we went to Mellor Lane, who were the, the nearest comprehensive school. You, you could 
they were stones throw apart those two schools and uh, I had the option to go to Hayes Grammar myself but I turned it down because I wanted to go to Mellow Lane because that's where all my mates were going you know and I didn't want the stigma of being at a grammar school uh being the only grammar school kid in the street really thrown at me but Ray Wilkins for, for that reason you know was a, a a huge hero and like you when he was um he was sold to Manchester United because we were skint um and I, I, I often sit there these days and think oh, we're very lucky and the generation of Chelsea fans that are there now are very lucky that we're not a club that's in that position anymore where the selling of a player like that is a necessity, you know, for the survival of the club, effectively. Um, Kerry Dixon is an interesting because you, of course, um, I met him for the only time in my life when we met at the stall and you got me a photograph, which oh, is yeah, yeah. Place, you know, uh, with Kerry Dixon. Um, an interest in how both players um, almost followed a, a, an archetypal football ex-footballer uh, journey of, of, of issues with, with with drink and 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 various things like that. You know, um, almost fallen heroes. Um, and in a sense, I think with Ray, uh, you know, his death was tragic. I, I don't, you know, I I just think taken way too early. But I sense with Kerry that there's um, uh, a redemption going on, you know, that he's, uh, he's he realises, yeah, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, Kerry, Kerry's an easy choice for a hero. <coughs> he's a very heroic figure, of course. You know, this big blue-eyed, blonde-haired striker who used yeah. to bang goals in, had swagger, arrogance, real, you know, identity yeah. with the fans. I mean, he, he didn't grow up on Chelsea terraces or anything. Nah. In fact, I think nice. he was a Spurs fan as a kid, and yeah. I know I know he played for their youth team. But yeah. I don't know. There was something about Kerry, the the bond that he had with Chelsea supporters when he played. He was yeah. such an easy. He was such an easy I, I, standout pick in that '80s side. And I think I think I think you know my memories of that. Chelsea have been starved of played for England, of course. Like yeah, since since Peter Osgood, uh, and the parallels between. Osgood and uh, and Kerry Dixon are quite staggering, especially in the way they were both, in, in my view, criminally overlooked by England. These were players that would score you goals regularly. Not every game, because not every striker scores every game. But you know what? Um, when Kerry Dixon was at his peak, the man should have been in the England team. Because well, he, was, he was just unstoppable. He's on fire. And, and, and you was you know as well as I do about confidence being so important to a player. When you're in that form, you go onto the pitch thinking, "I'm going to score." Well, Kerry and- always always felt that, and but I mean, you know, a bit like a, a lot of well, a bit like Aussie and a lot of that Chelsea team. Yeah, you know, England in the '80s had a lot of very good strikers, and of yeah. course, you know, Kerry was always up against Gary Lineker. Yeah, but the other yeah. thing, of course, if you've got to remember, is that I think he got was he, he got injured in '85. Yeah, so he was own, and that really. That floored him, yeah. And it was crucial, crucial ligament. No, was it? I'm not sure. I think it was a, a muscle injury. I can't remember. Anyway, he made the World Cup finals in '86 and actually came on as a sub. I think didn't he against yeah, he did, Portugal yeah. or yeah. Uh, or yeah. Poland? And um, you know he'd been on fire the couple of years before. I think '84 when he made his debut mm. and he scored against scored a couple against West Germany, didn't he? So. But he had to. He had, you know, he, you know, he had to unseat Gary Lineker, number one, and number two. I think he was still probably just about getting over that injury. He hadn't hit his straps yet, uh, so he was very unlucky. But 
I think it was unlucky period because England had a lot. I mean, you talk to Kerry and he'll tell you this, that he, he was very unlucky because there were a lot of good strikers about. But, yeah. I mean, the other thing about Kerry, again, like like Ray, I mean, I, I, I've become, I have become really good friends with Kerry. I've got to know him extremely well through doing the uh, doing the podcasts with him that I did. And, you know, I, I, I and we got the Kerry banner done, which he's just over, overwhelmingly humbled by. And it's just a lovely thing to do for him. I, I actually speak to him most weeks, you know, and, and I, I absolutely consider him a mate, which, again, I've got to pinch myself for, mate. This is, yeah. you know, my two Chelsea heroes. I, I got to know, uh, well, reasonably well in Ray's case and very well in Kerry's case. I'm a very lucky man. Chidge. JK, in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's go to modern times. Let's move into modern football. Is it all rubbish? Uh, no, because I want you to talk about some of the favourite players from the current squad, bearing in mind that um, one of your favourites left last season, as he as he did, um, as he was one of mine. Um, but who was uh, that? From the current squad, Eden Hazard. Come on, you you got to tell me. You you were there that night against West Ham. Yeah, you were there that yeah. night, that day against Arsenal, when you just yeah. sort of thought. What have I just seen? And those, you know, the first thing that both after both those games, the first thing I said to my wife on the phone could always make a phone call on the way out to the game to ring home uh, is the same phrase every time. That's my season ticket paid for this year. <laughs> no, you're, you're right. Oh, so, yeah. But um, bearing in mind, he's not there. It's, it's interesting to see who your current favourites are. Yeah. I mean, Eden has, without doubt, arguably the most skillful player I've seen at Chelsea. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I maybe because I'm old, you know. I mean, let's face it. I mean, Hazard turns up what 2013. So that's seven mm. years ago. I'm in my late forties. I'm I'm too old for that shit. You know, <laughs> when I'm in my twenties and I can see a bloke like Kerry whizzing around the pitch like he did, I can identify with him. 
he's a hero. When I when I'm in my you know I'd have been what when Ray was playing I'd have been between the ages of I'd have been about thirteen. Yeah, it's easy for me to make him a hero. Eden Hazard's a professional footballer, being paid a lot of money to play football and make me happy occasionally. It's a very different relationship. Sorry to be a cynical old sod, but that's how it is. <laughs> um, yeah. I've stuck to the current team. Okay, um, you know, and out of the current team, I like some very. You might call it quite esoteric of me, but. I absolutely adore Cesar Espelicueta because I think he's just the embodiment of, of a good modern footballer. You know, he gives 100% every game. Um, he takes a lot of crap, which I think is totally unwarranted. Uh, and I think he's been solidly consistent and loyal to Chelsea Football Club. And, you know, minimum requirement for me is you play for us and the shirt. And I mm. think he absolutely does. Mm. Uh Marcus Alonso, I love for completely different reasons. I love Marcus Alonso because he shithouses Chelsea fans like no other player I've ever seen. He gets more dogs abuse than than most bloody Tottenham uh, players get from us. He's got George Michael hair and he just don't care. I love him. exactly. And he's great. I think he's one of the most technically gifted players in the side. I mean, he's got what we would call a wand of a left foot. Yeah. And and he just, again, you know, he plays for the team. Yeah, I love him. I, I, I yeah. if you give me eleven Marcus Alonso's any day of the week. I'd be happy. Mm. And I think the last one is is Angolo Kante because he's genuinely our only world class player. He is he is a fish out of water. What what is this man doing in the modern game? Mm. You know, he, he, he apparently he doesn't spend any of his money. He's got a mini. Yeah. He drives to Cobham in a mini. Yeah, he clearly just wants to play football. He's about yeah. a selfless as you can get as a footballer. Yeah. The man has no ego, yeah. and yet he's one of the most talented players, if not the most talented player in his position. Yeah. And he plays for us. And he's got a smile that could melt the hearts and, of a and, thousand people. And I believe I read last 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 week, I think in a, in, in a fairly reliable um, sports pages, that uh, that he's a signal no desire to leave Chelsea. Yeah, of course he hasn't. Um, and and I, I, that's refreshing, isn't it? That's, you, you don't find that very often these days. It's a throwback. In, in, yeah, and uh, um, just reading between the lines, looking at, uh, I saw an interview with Jorginho the other day, um, and it might well have been on the official app or something, I think, where he, you know, he can't sing the praises of Frank Lampard enough. You know, the whole, this is, you were asked to do this under the previous guy, but I'm going to ask you to do this, and I'm going to ask you to help the youngsters, and I'm going to ask you to do this sort of stuff. And I think players react there, and I think this is the thing I like about Frank um, is that to players like N'Golo Kante, they're going to look at him and think, you know, Kante's a World Cup winner. Frank isn't, right? Okay. Um, but Frank's won everything. And I, th- I do think that it's an advantage that, that maybe even Klopp and Guardiola have had, where they've, they're, they're more, they're closer emotionally, from an emotional intelligence perspective, if you like, to... Now I'm getting into your, you know, your, your, your psychology stuff here, but the emotional intelligence... Uh, closeness of Frank having had that experience of knowing what those players might be thinking, facing and everything like that is a real advantage. And Kante, I think, has reacted very positively to it because he's been made of glass this season, let's be honest. You know, and I remember how how, um, Arjen Robben was made of glass and I remember how Jose reacted to it by basically getting rid of him and saying, you know, I can't have an unreliable player like that in the squad. Um, and, And so, you know, to see Kante, you know, it, 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 it does give with with the fact that he's been absent. It gives Frank that nice 
selection nightmare, doesn't it? You know, yeah. against some of the other players that are around. I, I think I think if he's fit, Frank picks Cut and Golo Kante because you know yeah. class is permanent, form is yeah. temporary, and I think he's yeah. he's been overplayed and he's been uh, suffering uh, from a backlog and a catalog mm. of injuries as a result, but. Uh, as a human well, being, he's, he's, he should come out of the furlough pretty well. <laughs> well, well, I, well I, funnily enough, I, I wrote an article for Football London last week about that very point, which bizarrely they haven't published yet. But that's quite off. That's, yeah, that's not not unusual for them. Um, but uh, I mean, obviously, look, I love all the kids too. I mean, you know, yeah. Billy Billy Gilmore, I just yes. think, think could be absolutely astonishingly good. Mason's already proving yes. how good he is. As is yeah. Reese. As is Tammy. Yeah, uh, as is Tamori, uh, even Hudson Odoi, and, yeah. and, and don't let us not forget uh, Loftus Cheek. I, I, yeah, I, I tell you what, you know, we're we're miserable old gits, a bit like Statler and Waldorf, you and I, when we sit together at Stamford Bridge, as we often do. Um, but I have to say, the sight of all these young, talented kids coming into this side, I don't think I've been this excited about watching yes. Chelsea for maybe. Well, yeah. it's hard to say, isn't it? I'm, I'm sitting there going, oh, for 20-odd years or so. Yeah. I mean, how could you not be excited by what we've seen in the last 20 yeah. years? And yeah. I have, don't get me yeah. wrong. But there is something about seeing this crop of youngsters finally getting yes. a chance that really tugs on my heartstrings in a yeah. massive way. I love it. And I think that's where, uh, uh, you know, it's not just you and I. It, you you can powerfully sense it with 90% of the fans. They, I, you know, there are possibly a few out there, maybe younger generation FIFA FIFA, PlayStation, people who, you know, think it should all be about spending trillions of dollars and that sort of stuff every season. But um, we were a disruptor model when Abramovich came in. And I think this is our new disruptor model now. And already you've seen Arsenal trying to think that we need to change things around because Arteta's gone in there and said, right, you know, we've got to get some of these in. So I think it's really good. So uh, interesting to see that. So let's talk about some of your favourite matches. And, and now I remember in those long distant days when you told me I'd picked a lot of games I know well, that's why I giggled that's why I giggled <laughs> and I mean not only that you picked the same kind of games as me which yeah, either yeah, you, yeah. you cheated or great minds think alike it's probably yeah. the, probably the latter to be kind I mean it's really hard isn't it I, th- I think it tells you a how long we've been watching this club mm. uh, but actually also I mean mate that's that that list is short I mean you could go I mean yes. there are games, I missed off all that I mean I missed the six one uh, yeah. beating Spurs didn't I yeah so I yeah. tried to be judicious with the picks but it's impossible we've had so many so wow aren't we lucky yes even yeah, when we yeah. were shit we had some great moments yeah. that's the yeah. point I mean yeah you know I talked to you about the uh the the 78 uh at Liverpool Cup match we yeah. won for two of course we had the the one in 82 as well yeah where you know absolutely in the second I mean we were absolutely shit in 1982 yeah, and they were they were league <laughs> champions. Yeah, I mean in '78 they were European champions. Yeah, indeed. So those indeed. are huge, but um, yeah. a weird match. I, I've tried to be a bit esoteric as well and not not choose some of the obvious ones. And I mean that that Barnsley five three one is is a. <laughs> I mean, even I'm struggling to remember. Yeah, you that won't one, remember that, but that happened in. Uh, would you believe it? April Fool's Day in April '89, we were in. We were in. We we're already top of the league. Uh, uh and. Uh, we absolutely thumped. Well, a mad match, really, to be fair. But I mean, I think the standout for me uh, on on this is the fact that Kerry scored four goals. Yeah. And I don't think I, I don't think to my I, I don't think I'd seen a player score four goals for Chelsea uh, in a match Ever. before. So, well, I was too young for Jimmy Greaves, obviously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know that that was just brilliant. Um, but what a ding dong! I mean, we were what? Uh, it was it was one nil after four minutes. Then. Uh, 
Joe McLaughlin, Joe McLaughlin, uh, Joe McLaughlin, get my teeth in. God, yeah, scores yeah. an own goal after six, one all. Then they scored two one. Then Jukebox scores after twenty five, two all. Then they scored again, three two. That's just uh, in the beginning of uh, the second half. And then it was then it was Kerry all the way. Second half yeah. hat trick. So he yeah. scored one on four minutes in the second half hat trick. Yeah. Uh, within within fifteen minutes. Yeah. What a player he was. I mean, yeah. that that's also from that season, the Leeds 1-0 yeah. towards the end of the season when Bummers scored. And I think that yeah. basically, that, that that meant we were promoted. And didn't they rip our ground to shreds? I think they might have done. They might have boshed. I can't remember, mate. But that, that stands out. That that Because yeah. that, from a great season, which I really enjoyed. But other other matches, you know, I tell you what, two, two if you're looking at seasons... Um, Couple of highlights from the season we won the UEFA Cup Winners' Cup, the Tromso Tromso away match. I mean, I wasn't there. No, I, I have. I want, I want to go to Tromso because of yeah. the way that game went because it just looks like it's some sort of snow paradise. Doesn't it? Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, all the Normans, all the Normans were there. Phil was there. Stu, I think yeah. Chris was there, and and they they the to, the stories they've told about it. But I mean, I watched it on on the box, and it was the, one of the most crazy matches I've ever seen. Yeah. Because we couldn't see, because it was a blizzard, no. and Troms orange ball, yeah. Troms are three 0 up, and then Luca yeah. comes on and, and just just Luca's his way into yeah, getting yeah. us back. And I knew, I knew Didn't one of the goals going off his arse. Oh, as probably, well as yeah, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. the one you know when we scored that second, I knew that we were all right. You know, he yeah. ba- he basically single handedly brought us back in. The other one from that uh, from that campaign, obviously Mark Hughes's goal yeah. uh, in the semi final against yeah. Vicenza. I mean, pure Mark. And actually, mm. you know, I'm surprised I didn't put him in as one of my favourite players because I yeah, love him. Yeah, it's an odd one, isn't it? I overlooked him as well. Yeah, um, because it was as a player uh, coming coming to us as you know as an ex United player as well. Uh, you know, and uh, I, I think he. I don't know, Chelsea fans. We do seem to be more forgiving about players and where they've come from in the past, possibly with the exception of Spurs or whatever. But um, I remember thinking when we picked up Mark, he's pretty much in the same way that we picked up uh, when I felt with Varley and, and with Hullet, which is like, this, this boy's good. You know, we, we need, because he, he was proper steel, wasn't he? Well, indeed. And I mean, it kind of, it, it came full circle really, because of course Mark Hughes broke my heart on my first Chelsea match. Uh, in 1984, yes. because yeah. uh, Gordon Jury had put us up with this absolute brilliant shot, absolute rocket, uh, after about five minutes, and we thought, here we go. Mm. Uh, and then, uh, and then they all, they United ruined it. Hughesy was their first scorer, I think. Of course, Frank Stapleton, yeah, scrambled. Well, I think it was an own goal actually, but for yeah. some reason they yeah. gave it to Stapleton. Uh, but of course, that match was highlighted. Talk about symmetry and bizarreness. Uh, Kerry Dixon missed a penalty on 79 minutes would have only made it 3-2 mm. but it was one of the worst penalties he actually hit it along the ground wide of the post <laughs> of the right the keeper's right hand post I'm, I'm, I forgot all about that until I started digging around the match again I'm, next time I speak to him I'm going to say you ruined the first Chelsea match I went to you <laughs> bastard but there you go but then, look I'll tell you another campaign that really floated my boat and weirdly again uh, I didn't go to any of these matches but the Galatasaray Five nil, welcome to hell. The Milan one all. Dennis Wise in the San Siro, ten minutes to go. Mm. But also the Feyenoord away win. I think we won three one. Uh, Tony, uh, to to this day, 
And people look at me when I say, I'd be interested in what your reaction to this is, because I, I say to people, that's some of the best football I've ever seen Chelsea play. Mm. They played a fast-paced English-style game with continental skill and flair, yeah. led yeah, entirely absolutely. by Franco Zola. And I just yeah. sat and watched that on the television going, bloody hell, this yeah, is yeah. Chelsea. What's going and, on? And, 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 and part of that is because um, people also, for a certain age, won't remember the final were up there by Ajax in terms of Dutch power. Yeah. Definitely, you know, but that whole campaign, yeah, and, I mean, and PSV, was, yeah, PSV, but yeah. Uh, you know, because uh, final always, yeah, with uh, they didn't have the, they had the green and yellow uh, squared shirts, I think, as opposed to whatever, but uh, yeah, um, is there any more out of that one? Because there's one in particular. Well, yeah, I, I mean, the Barcelona, is... the the home match in the quarterfinal, <laughs> where we we won three one, and was it was yeah. it, it was three one? I was I just thought, mm. oh my, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Franco's free kick, of course, is the standout from that. But yeah, when Figo scored, you just knew, oh yeah. shit. I, that's yeah. how I felt. I thought, oh shit. And, yeah, yeah. And so it proved, and the court wouldn't be fine. enough. No, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, you know, people say we we were invented when Roman turned up. They need to go back and and look at our our Champions yeah. League campaign of ni- of ninety nine two thousand because we we were superb along the way. Yeah. We did yeah. some. I mean, nobody. I mean, United weren't going to Galatasaray and winning five nil. No, no, no. And, and they were, certainly weren't beating Barcelona three one at home. No. And exactly. we did. You know, it was amazing yeah. to watch. I mean, out of that, funny enough, I mean, the Barcelona four two in two thousand and five. I was going to ask you actually when I interviewed you, where you were you in your usual seat for that? Um, uh, no, I didn't go to that game. I watched it on the TV because midweek back then it was very, very. It's, it's still very difficult for me to get to a, a game now uh, midweek but back then was virtually impossible because of the job I did I just could not get to it um, and uh, I just remember sitting there. but what the advantage of that did give me was that the, I, I was perfectly positioned having watched it at home to see the levels of shithousery that went on um, uh, in a game you know uh, I, I, I don't know I, I, I had I was torn. I think, like most Chelsea fans, but I was torn because we had Enfant Terrible in Jose Mourinho as our manager, and you were—I was still pinching myself. Is this guy really going to take us? Uh, you know, and not having realised that already when we met Barcelona in that game, he had changed the culture of the club from top to bottom to think about nothing else but winning. As ruthless as it sounds now, and and, and I know. He's lost his way along uh, the over the years or whatever, but back then, what what a coup it was getting him and to beat Barcelona and that I think it was the Barcelona side that had um, what's his name in it, didn't it? Um, Ronaldo. Uh, well, Ronald yes, Dean, Ronaldo. Sorry, no, Ronaldinho. I mean, yeah, Ronaldinho. Yes, that yeah, match. Yeah. That match was just. I mean, I was in the shed end that night in the upper in the shed, and I think I was with with Doctor Mart and uh, Ida. Uh, it was Duffer, wasn't it? And I did yeah. absolutely. And Frank, they tore, yeah. tore them to pieces. We were three 0 up in twenty minutes. I, and again, yeah. I mean, Martin and I were looking at each other. I, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Yeah. But that was also the game. I, uh, you know, when uh, when Ronaldinho toe poked that ball in. Yes. And I've never experienced anything like that in a stadium in my life before mm. or since. The whole ground went silent. Yeah. No, nobody could comprehend what had just happened. Yes. Including yeah, yeah, the yeah. players on the pitch. Yeah. Absolutely. Before, I mean, <laughs> yeah. talking talking of champions, it's funny, isn't it? How many European matches I've, I've got in here? But I mean, Arsenal uh, away yeah. in two thousand and four, yeah. Wayne Bridge's goal sent us out of control. Yeah. If there's a match I regret not being at, it's probably that one. Yeah. I was actually watching it in the Duke's head in Putney with Martin and all of that lot. All right. Um 
But I'm talking of emotional matches. I mean, the semi-final against Liverpool in the Champions League in 2008, yeah. where he scored the penalty when his mum had died a couple of days yes. before. He shouldn't have even probably been playing. I think yeah. that's. I was in the Matty Harding upper, pretty near where you sat or yeah. sit for that, and I, I nearly yeah. cried at that. That was emotional. Yeah. Best atmosphere I've been to is Napoli three-one in 2012. Of course, which was uh, an incredible. Unbelievable. And I was very lucky to even get a ticket for that. I mean, my company had gone out of business, as you know. I'd lost a lot of money. Yeah. So I had no money. I didn't have a ticket before the match. I sold a couple of fancast T-shirts, and a mate had a spare ticket, and he phoned me up. So I got, it's yours for 40 quid. Boom, thank you. Yeah. You know, half an hour before. I ended up with him, and his, and his, his, his lovely, the lovely Dave Jones and, and the Swindon mob. And we were in the shed lower. And uh, I remember we danced. We were doing, a, you know, we were skanking to One Step Beyond and all of that, <laughs> and, and singing our hearts out to uh, the Bob Marley song, Three Little Birds. Yeah, uh, just unbelievable scenes, really. But I think I, I'm going to finish this up, Tony, with the two funniest matches I've ever been to. You know, just to prove that you can laugh at football. Yeah, uh, but only when you beat Spurs five-one in an FA Cup semi-final. <laughs> And I, I was with Stu and uh, and Pablo, I think, for that one. And we we were just we just laughed our cocks off. Yeah, we absolutely and and we shit housed that win too because two of those goals at least one was offside and one should never have been. Hadn't we lost fairly recently to them as well? I, I don't think. know. It was I don't like remember. a normal service had resumed. I need oh, to go and check. There, there are so like... many normal services yeah. resumed against them, but beating them five one in a semi final, shit housing mm. it by scoring a goal that was offside and one that probably wasn't over the line yeah. and we just laughed and laughed and laughed but i think even i laughed more at the beating of arsenal 6-0 yeah. in 2014 yeah i mean that was that's one that's when they got somebody sent off by mr uh, mistaken was, identity it, wouldn't it it was wasn't it um the young lad with the double-barreled Oxlade name. Chamberlain. Think, yeah, I think he got sent off instead of somebody else, yeah. I think. And and it was a case of mistaken identity. But it just, it, it was just, it was almost like every Chelsea fan was personally, personally rubbing some salt into Wenger's wounds with that, you know. <laughs> How are you feeling? And just try this little bit of salt in this cut, here, you know. But uh, Wonderful. yeah, fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Don't think I've ever laughed at a match so much as yes. that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we, we, we've, we've done that. I mean, this is really difficult. It's, and this is up there with, you know, choosing your favourite child or whatever. But your best Chelsea moment, you, you, you know, your best absolutely Chelsea moment. Well, do you know what? Not as hard as you might think. I mean, it has to be Munich. It yes. has to be Munich because yeah. I, I was lucky to get there. Again, I had no money. All the fan cast mob, they, 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 you know, went on a magical mystery bus tour. They hired a minibus. They were all out there for a week, and I said, mm. I can't go. I haven't got any money, and I'm not going if I don't have a ticket. Because I, I said, look, I, 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 you know, I know a lot of you lot just want to be there. I said, bollocks to that. If I'm going to be in Munich, I want to be in that game watching it. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to be in some pub watching it. So yeah. I said, I ain't going unless I get a ticket. Uh, and I didn't have any money. I got a job, a gig, to make some awful program about football hosted by Paddy McGuinness for bloody ITV worst, part, <laughs> right, worst yeah. pile of shit I've ever made in my life and the producer wanted me to start on the Sunday and because I knew I'd get some money I'd found a way to get a flight that was going yeah. in and out on the day it's the only flight I could get I couldn't get another one uh, I couldn't really afford to stay anywhere anyway and I'd just about had enough look because it was that kind of game you had to wait until you had enough loyalty points to get a ticket 
Yeah. And it, yeah. they just opened it up to the level that I had. So I ticket, got my ticket, managed to get a flight, phoned up the producer and said, I can't start on Sunday. He said, why? I said, because I've got a ticket to the Champions League final, you mug. <laughs> and he said, and, and actually, I've worked for him before, and he yeah. was a big Man United fan. Yeah. He said, oh, mate, for you, no problem. He said, I get it. He said, I was in Barcelona in 99. He said, yeah. he said whatever you do, he said, you know, don't forget it. He said, if you win that, he said, things will never be the same again. Yeah. He said, you can win it 500 times, but you'll never yeah, beat the first time you do it. And I remember that. That was ringing in my ears at the end of the match. And I was thinking that. Yeah. And, and that, that, hence our chat about maybe we long it off after that because it will never yeah. get better than that. Yeah, and exactly. I think for that moment, for that reason, it has to be the best because yeah. it will never get better than that. But yeah. I have to say, Tony, honourable mentions for Bolton in 2005. Yeah. Again, if I ever regret a match I wasn't at, it mm. would be that. Mm. But I ended up watching it weirdly on my own shitting a concrete mixer <laughs> in a in a pub the warwick the warwick arms in pimlico uh, yeah. right the warwick arms in pimlico uh, on my own if anybody came near me i gave them the death stare yeah. fuck off out of it this is too serious for me to be in company yeah. and i watched it on my own and and just doing raptures when frank scored the goal but I then started getting phone calls. The phone started going. Dr. Mark phones me up. Phil phones me up. They're all yeah. they're all miles away. Where are you? Where are you? I said, well, I'm in Pimley. Get down to Stamford Bridge now. We're all meeting up. We're all meeting up. And I ended up going to Stamford Bridge with about 3,000 other Chelsea fans, yeah. all with the same yeah. idea. They had to shut the road. Yeah. It was carnage. And we just drank and drank and drank. I ended up going to the Imperial Arms. I ended up drinking with, and drinking and dancing with Paul Cook from the Sex Pistols. Yeah. Oh, I mean, just the most insane scenes I've ever experienced as a Chelsea yeah. fan. So that's up there, even though I didn't go. And again, another honourable men. This, you'll like the symmetry of this. Portsmouth yeah. FA Cup Final 2010. Yes. For two reasons. Uh, like I never thought I'd see us win the Champions League in my lifetime. I never yeah. thought I'd see us do the double in my lifetime. Yeah. And I shed a tear because of that. And yeah. I, I don't think I've ever celebrated quite as mentally as I did after that. But there's another reason. Uh, what was the first match I ever went to and who did I go with? Uh, it was Saints versus no, Palace with your dad. No, first match. Portsmouth. Oh, Portsmouth, yes, with, with you, my dad. Yes, that's right, yes. With, with, yeah. with my uh, dad. Fan part, of course it was, yeah, sorry, yes. With my dad, who's a yeah. Portsmouth fan. He wanted to go, he couldn't go to the uh, the cup final when they won. Yeah. Because he he was having, he was in hospital. Yeah. Uh, and he asked me to, if I could get him a ticket. And mm. I said, yeah. I said, leave it to me. I got my mate Steve Claridge to sort a ticket out. And he, oh, ended, right. yeah, he, yeah. he ended up going and he was in hospitality with Claridge. Yeah. And he kept phoning me. Because he was just so excited to be there. Yeah, I yeah, said, Dad, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. in the fucking Chelsea end. I can't talk to you because I can't hear you. And and I felt awful that we won in a sense to beat him. But it was kind of lovely that it, it kind of came full circle for me in a yeah. way. Dad, yeah, yeah. Portsmouth fan, took me to my first match. I got him to a match he really wanted to go to. Yeah. And just to add insult to injury, Chelsea won. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but I, that was special. That was special. Yeah. And, um, well, obviously, there's yin and yang, isn't there? So you've picked that best Chelsea moments and, and I, I, I agree those three sort of stand out and obviously I've got the, the cup final 1970 in there as well um well I, I, Tony we I, I missed that I, I, yeah. I and mean, people who listen to this will be thinking what is Chid on why hasn't he mentioned the 1997 cup final yeah I'll tell you yeah. why because I've tried to eradicate it from my memory 
because I stupidly decided to go on holiday with my missus in cup final week. <laughs> because, I mean, let's be honest, yeah. mate, after 94, which is a complete yes. load of bollocks, yeah. I just thought, well, we ain't going to get to the cup final again in my yeah. lifetime. We yeah. certainly ain't going to win it. So no. I thought, oh, that's all right. I'll go. I'll book a holiday. We went to St. Yeah. Lucia for holiday. Of course, by that time, I know we're in the final. Yeah. So basically what I did is I, I, pre- <laughs> I pre-recorded it on VHS. Take dates, yeah. it, doesn't it? Pre-recorded yeah. it on VHS. Media blackout in St. Lucia. I didn't dare yeah. turn on my phone all week. Yeah. Right. We got home, got a taxi back from the airport. I literally opened the door, dropped the bags, turned the TV on, and watched it all the way through. Oh, right. And then Trifle. rewound it, and then watched it all again. Yeah. But really so you, pissed uh, off I wasn't there. Yeah, you succeeded where the likely lads failed then. Indeed. Well, I wasn't the solution, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, worst Chelsea moment. I mean, it, it, again, it's an unusual one, because people do tend to whitewash or, or wipe the memories or selectively forget, you know, some of the really bad moments. But I think... Um, you're like me, people of a certain age, it, it, it's those moments that forge who you are, how you get through them. It's the old Kipling thing, you know, you, if you can take all of that, then you're a man, my son, and all that sort of stuff. But um, is, I'll be interested to, to hear what your worst Chelsea moments are. Yeah, I mean, weirdly, they're more recent than um, than ancient, which in a sense makes sense because I was more used to disappointment back in, you know, the 70s and the 80s. Ray, Ray Wilkins leaving was a real blow. Pat Nevin. Mm. I mean, they tended to be more about people leaving in the old yeah. days rather than losing matches because you kind of we lost a lot of matches in the old days. So Pat, Pat, and uh, and Ray leaving really hit me hard. But I think I think the playoff in '88. I mean, because as I said earlier on, we were way too good to go down. How we got relegated that season, I, and it seemed to be rigged, fixed. No wonder. I mean, I wasn't there, but no wonder everybody kicked off. They must have been absolutely doing their nut at the injustice yeah. of it all. Not that I would condone violence, but, I mean, I can understand it. And actually, talking at that point, I think at the Barcelona semi-final in 2009, where, where Thomas Overbro absolutely mugged us off, absolutely. I think had I not been sitting up at the back of Gate 17, and had I been at the front in the East Stand, I would have been on that pitch clumping him. I yeah. think it's the closest I've yeah. come to feeling really violent at a football yeah. game. And I am and I, can, I'm not a violent person, as you no, know. No, and I think you're like me, you can accept that referees make mistakes, but when it when there were so many, so many blatant decisions not given, you can't help but think that is blatant, that is so blatant, there's yeah. something going on here because you know, it, it uh, you it's either Captain Cockup or Captain Conspiracy. Um but Captain Cockup rarely strikes six, seven times in a game like that uh, and and so publicly as well and and for nothing to come of it afterwards no uh, no investigation by by UEFA nothing you know I guess it just shows how shit the, the business of modern football is that someone just went do you know what all referees are honest and that to me I still look at that game and I still think come on come on he was even massively incompetent um, or, or, or you know something wasn't right there and I, I, we've seen bad refereeing at Stamford Bridge. I've never seen anything ever. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen refereeing like it in a game ever since where the referee made that many blatant calls that were wrong. Um, and, you you know, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt, but in that one, I still, to this day, can't. Still to this day, can't. I, I'm convinced to this day. I mean, you know, 
you and I are old enough to remember the 70s and Forest and Leeds yeah. and Derby County absolutely being mugged off with referees being bribed, yeah. all that kind of stuff. I, I, I still to this day think that UEFA laid down some sort of a diktat in that yeah. match to make yeah. sure we didn't get to the final because they were petrified yeah. of us winning it. Yeah. And we had made a Absolutely. lot of enemies. And I, I, because nobody, but nobody is that incompetent. Well, even the Barcelona fans and players afterwards said, God only knows how some of them penalties and Anelka weren't given. It's, it's, it defies belief. This defies belief. We've, we've not just, you know, but the, the, the officials, the other, the, 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 the linos, et cetera, all, I, I'm sorry. I, 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 I I don't want to think bad of anybody, but there was some. There was some. It was fishy, wasn't you know, it? Yeah, I think it was the and phrase. Real, if it, real it looks anger. like a fish, it, it smells like a fish, then yeah. chances are it fucking is a fish. You know, talks like if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a dog. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, that was as I said. I don't. I don't think I've ever been so angry at a game than that, and justifiably yeah. so. I've. I, I was. I, I. And this is a really weird one that I've chosen here. This was when we lost three one to Arsenal in the FA Cup quarter final replay. Uh, in 2003, which you might find a bit of an odd. Yeah. Yes. Well, remember the year before I'd seen us lose to Arsenal in the, in the FA Cup, which I, you know, that was the first FA Cup final, by the way, that I'd managed yeah. to get a ticket for. Remember, yeah. I couldn't get a ticket in 94. Uh, I was away in 97. I couldn't get a ticket in 2000. You know, not being a season ticket holder, it was hard. By this time, do, do you know how I got a ticket for the Arsenal final? I bought I bought a barrel of beer for an <laughs> FA Cup uh, committee member because you know the FA get lots if you if you yeah, run yeah, the yeah. F, right well he ran the uh, the a club up somewhere up north and a mate of mine put him in touch to me and I said I hear you've got an FA Cup final ticket for spare and he said yeah I have I he said but I can't sell it to you because he said I'm not allowed to I said right so now what then he said well as it happens we have our our local fate right and you can sponsor a barrel of beer and i said that's highly highly fitting my company will do that for you right now here's 120 yeah. quid i pa- paid, oh, right. paid over the odds for it yeah 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 so anyway i'd seen us lose to that the first fa cup final i've managed to get a ticket for so i hated arsenal i hated arsenal anyway then because they were yeah. always beating us if you remember and there yeah, was that yeah, real yeah. sense we'd never bloody beat these bastards yeah and and that match i thought we've got you this is our year. This is it. This is we're going to beat you, and we're going to go and win the FA Cup. And bloody Lauren, I don't know what it was about him. He and of yeah. course JT scored an own goal, yeah, and then got one back. Uh, but oh, I, I I was so distraught. I just couldn't believe it. And I think the other one also involves Arsenal because in the 2017 Cup final, I've never been that fed up leaving a Cup final. Or, or, oh, well, because we didn't we didn't. We didn't do anything. Well, but I think the expectation, yeah, the expectation of doing the double. But me and Pablo left that, and we hardly said a word. We went back to yeah. Waterloo, had a pint, and then we just went. I, yeah. I was so grumpy about that. Such a letdown. But such, I, it was that's such an apathetic performance, really, wasn't it? it yeah. Was... But I think the biggest disappointment of all, Tony, was losing to Spurs in the League Cup final in two thousand eight. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was a, it was a horrible, horrible experience. I thought that Avram Grant got all the tactics completely wrong. Yeah. Uh, but worse. I thought they turned up. I thought their fans turned up, and we didn't. I was in the I was in the lower tier behind the goal yeah. at Wembley, and there were fights breaking out between fans who were trying to get behind the team and get everybody going, and people who were just sitting there like lemons. 
it was just a, a just a miserable, miserable experience. All ends up and losing. Wasn't that, to them, just, that was, I mean, that was wasn't that the season that uh, Didier Drogba said there's something broken at Chelsea because we'd we'd sacked Mourinho and, uh, and let's face it, put a complete fraud. Uh, in charge of the team and, and there's the theories you know of course he didn't really do much with the team because the team ran itself which then begs the question of why the team didn't manage to run itself for that league cup final that yeah. year but um it was a very very strange year as i as i recall anyway it was indeed our our our, our shield of invincibility had, de- had definitely been uh cracked open i think um by let's face it the owner who who i think you know had dropped the bollock there but there you go um, okay, so we've talked about those bad moments. I think you know, you, you and and actually that one is a bit that still stings, doesn't it? Yeah, Spurs League Cup final. Um, so we're going to go on to slightly happier, of course, which is, um, you you know as well as I do that singing and uh, at games and that is different these days. Um, it's not quite the the uh, the mosh pit of of uh, that, it, that it used to be because it's all seats. It always the demographic is quite difficult these days, um, you know, with an aging an aging demographic. Let's be fair. So let's talk about some of your your favourite Chelsea songs. And you've listed a few here. I know one uh, one of which I have never heard. No, which one? Okay, which one? Uh, Jeremy the Sugar Puff Bear. Yeah, I, I can never remember the the words. This, but Mar- I, this is before my time. But Martin used to love singing this on the on the fan cast in the early days, and I used to absolutely love it. But it's something, if you go down at the shed today, you're sure of a big surprise. If you go down at the shed today, you'll never believe your eyes. Because Jeremy, the sugar puff bear, has got some boots and cut his hair. Today's the day that Jeremy is a skinhead. Or something <laughs> or something like that. Oh, man, that is genius. Which, which just, I, I love yeah, that. And I mean, you that know, is superb. Uh, I mean, also from the fan cast days, strolling. I mean, this, this predates you a bit, but yeah, yeah. We, we used to absolutely love finishing the show singing strolling loudly drunkenly and very very badly yeah and we never we would never get the lyrics right and it would just all collapse it was just like something out of monty python yeah yeah um but actually i I, we tried to get it going for many years and failed miserably but we used to love that um but I, i mean another one that i i never have got to sing in the ground but i was told about uh, I don't really remember it to be honest. So, it, but th- this is—I don't know if you've ever heard this. But hit him on the head, hit him on oh, the yeah. head, hit him on the head with a baseball, the baseball bat. bat. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's—it's it's one of them from from years ago that you, like you said, you never hear that. Uh, you never hear it anymore, really. Do you? Always, and, uh, always when. Uh, Always when I think it must have been in the eighties when 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 yeah. people were out clubbing seals, very unsavoury <laughs> behaviour, but uh, which tell, which dates it clearly. But yeah. it, was, it was always sung when a, an opposition player was lying on the the field, yes. polaxed or injured and taking yeah. too long to receive tra- treatment. Yeah. So Chelsea's well, it, re- Chelsea's response was to basically finish him off and get him off the yeah. pitch. I mean, there were there was a couple of uh, controversial ones. You used to sort of accompany it. One was um, uh, "She Fell Over," "She Fell Over," um, which let him, you know, die, let him die, let, let him die, let him die, let him die, let him die as well. Because <laughs> which, which these days probably uh, you know would be would be frowned upon by well by the authorities or whatever. There's lots of stuff now that. Or, you, or you what about this one? We are evil. Yeah, that one as well. Um, uh, uh, but I've noticed you've still got you've got celery and 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 of course the the the, the, the standard fuck them all. Well, these are my two favourite ones, of which they actually still do get. I mean, celery seems to get sung sung more when if we're five nil up, doesn't it, or something like that? You know, it's a let's revisit old songs territory. 
I mean, it would be remiss of me not to have Celery as one of my favourite songs, considering the Chelsea well, fancast logo is Celery. Celery and Guinness, yes. Um, That's right, yeah. But nobody has a song like this. Nobody. No. This is so Chelsea, it's not true. Yeah. It's got everything. It's a catchy tune. It's about a bloody vegetable, for God's sake. And it's got yep. it's rude, too. It's about yes. tickling somebody's fanny with some celery. I mean, who, exactly. who on earth can't love that song? Yes. But I've got to say... And, and, Go on, sorry, go on, go on, mate. I was going to say, it just begs the question of who wrote it. <laughs> who came up with the you know the lyric for that one? I think yeah, it was Mickey Greenway. Oh, was it? I, okay. the, the story I've heard is that he had a whole... Uh, he had when, it, when they went on the tour of Sweden in the early 80s, he took with him a, a cassette recorder uh, and a few tapes. And one of the tapes he had was kind of old, like Chaz and Dave type standards. And this yeah. is Ask Old Brown for Tea. Ask Old uh, Brown for Tea, Ask Old Brown for Tea. If he, yeah. you know... So it came from that, and I think so. I think Mick, Mick Greenaway was responsible for this. So I've right. heard anyway. But you're right. I mean, I think there is nothing like fuck 'em all, fuck 'em all. United, West Ham, Liverpool. Because yeah. we are the Chelsea, and we are the best. We are the Chelsea. So fuck all the rest. Fuck all the rest. I yeah. love the defiance in that song, and yes. that's you know me. That's what I'm about. I'm about a bit yeah. of defiance. Fuck you. I'm gonna be me. Yes. And that's what that song says to me, yeah. and I love that song, and it doesn't get sung enough. No. Um, and I think, you know, it's one of those things about uh, singing in general is just, um, you know, uh, it's a part of me that thinks it's a dying kind of art or whatever. Chids, this has been fantastic. We have been talking for what seems like ages. The only thing that's been missing is uh, someone sitting there saying, it's your round, we'll carry on in a minute, um, which would have been just lovely. I think had we done this in the bat and ball and recorded this, I think we would have both been looking for ways to get home mate we would have been we would have been, would have been crawling out at 11 and you know it yes exactly that exactly that mate listen it's been an absolute pleasure yeah, um you. it's been a terrific terrific uh number one it's an honor uh, a real pleasure to be able to do this uh, and to uh into to be the one that interviews you when you've been doing everybody else and um and it's kind of helped me dust off some of the old podding shed stuff. Make me think, oh, I've got to get me, get myself back in the habit of it. I think that's what it is. But as a Chelsea fan cast, my Chelsea, this has been an absolute joy to listen to. Um, and um, for the listener, we're on video, so we can actually see each other. So um, it's been <laughs> it's been terrific. And now we're doing a virtual handshake, and it's absolutely brilliant. Um, uh, Chidge, thank you very much. Uh, all I'll say is, uh, uh, you know, it's been an absolute honor to do this he's been one of the most entertaining hours of my life if not we've been probably even began a bit longer than that uh listening to you reminisce so uh thank you very much um uh and uh you know up the chels yeah cheers to- Tony. cheers mate thank you very much yes. it's been a pleasure it's thank you for for stepping into my shoes and allowing me to do it otherwise I've never been able to bore people yeah. stupid with my reminiscencing, so you know. I don't. I don't think boring is going to come into it, mate. It's been absolutely brilliant, and and th- this is the thing I said to you about the lockdown has given us an opportunity here. Uh, I think to investigate different aspects of being a Chelsea fan. That you know, especially for people in America and Africa, and the listeners, the listener base that the fan cast has got, um, to kind of get under the skin a little bit rather than just the concentration on the on the matches and 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 that there's there's a little bit of history going on here um and and i I see it as a kind of rich layer over the top of the fan cast that says these are the people you're getting to know the people here um and some of their history and i think it's it's been fantastic a great experience yeah well done mate thank you
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.